Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. Welcome back to another quintuple feature of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. Well, no, just triple. No, it's just going to be triple because because five episodes would be too many episodes, Paul. <laughs> you know, we talked about that because as we're recording, uh, Terra Pharma Part 2 came out today. And, uh, you know, I convinced Paul that that would be too, too many to talk about in one episode. So today is a triple feature, not a quintuple feature. We'll be talking about episode... Ah! What happened here? Oh, hold on. Ah! Crisis! Crisis! Crisis on the iPad. (laughs) Crisis on on Infinite Podcast. That's right. Uh, We'll be talking about Discovery, Season 3, Episode 6, Scavengers, followed by Episode 7, Unification 3, and The Sanctuary, Episode 8. And, you know, we may crisscross a little bit. We may get a little bit of that Unification 3 into our Scavengers or or some of that Sanctuary into our Unification 3. You never know, because we're crazy here. We are off the chain. That's right. That's right. It's wild, wacky stuff here. But, you know, Paul... Yes, sir. Our uh, international listeners will now be able to watch Lower Decks because it is coming to the uh, the not in the USA version of Netflix. So which, correct me if I'm wrong. So there, CBS All Access is just a, a United States thing. Yeah, they only they only uh, have a channel presence in North America, and when I say North America, I mean actually the United States because Canada does all their stuff on the sky. Science- what is that called? Is it the Science Sky? Fiction Channel? Sky, maybe. Oh, huh. I don't know what it's called, but it's uh-huh. but it's a cable channel or whatever in Canada. So yeah, uh, CBS All Access is just a U.S. thing. Lucky us. <laughs> <laughs> we get to pay for it. But you know, uh, I, I was thinking about uh, Lower Decks, and I'm actually I'm, I'm super excited that you know our uh, friends across the world will get to see it now because. You know, when you think about the new Star Trek franchises, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Discovery, and Lower Decks, you know, the three that we have right now, I think Lower Decks is the best of those three. As much as I like uh, Picard and Discovery, I really think Lower Decks is the best ambassador for new Star Trek. I would agree. You know, I think that's, I think as far as bringing in a younger audience, there is nothing better than Lower Decks. Yeah, I, well, and I mean, just, I, I, I saw an online poll conducted last week, and mm-hmm. they were, you know, you rate your favorite, you know, Star Treks. And I was astounded at how low uh, Picard and Discovery were. And I think some of that is paywall bias. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not paying for any of your goddamn CBS all access to watch that Picard or that discovery. Not my Star Trek. You know, <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden that you're John Wayne. 
Well, that's, what, that's what those guys are like, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, but uh, I, 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 I truly, I think that given the opportunity to see lower decks and with an open mind, I think you can't help but find the joy of Star Trek in, in that uh, that show. You know, it is certainly easy to discount Star Trek Discovery Season 1 because it is super dark. Right. Mm-hmm. And it is there's a lot on the screen that doesn't look like Star Trek, in my opinion. Uh, and I do feel like as that season wore on, the more closer it maneuvered to what we know about Star Trek and what we appreciate about Star Trek, where Star Trek history has been. Uh, and, you know, Picard is certainly all about the nostalgia and the feels. But I think Lower Decks really nails the feel of Star Trek. It certainly puts you back in that honey spot of, you know, late 80s, early 90s, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, I think there's a lot to like there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would agree. And I think Lower Decks, I'm, I'm you know, I'm hopeful that our international audience didn't skip our episodes on Lower Decks and now can watch it and appreciate our conversations even more. That's right. That's right. You know, there was a, I have a couple of stories, a couple of stories, Aaron. Oh dear. So there's this guy at the gym. I I will leave him unnamed. (laughs) For fear he's listening. Yeah. We'll we'll just call him Jim guy. Oh, Jim guy. He's the worst guy. (laughs) That's too long. Let's just call him Jim. G Y M. Okay. So Jim tells me, he's like, hey, you know, we, 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 I found out he's a science fiction fan. So we talked about Star Trek a lot today. We talk about, you know, Raised by Wolves and and some other, you know, science are fiction you, shows. Are you watching Raised by Wolves? I'm not. Okay. I'm not a Ridley Scott fan. Um, but, you know, he, and he says it's not great either. So. It is not great. No, that is correct. <laughs> it is not great. I'm th- I've, I've done three episodes and I hard quit it. <laughs> um. You know, so we're we're talking about the, the the all these shows, and I'm like, yeah. We started talking about Pennyworth, and this is all really. And we, he, he's 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 watched all the Star Trek shows thus far. Yeah. And we started talking about Pennyworth. I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to pay for Epics or whatever channel it's on. And he's like, oh, well, do you have an Amazon Fire Stick? And I'm like, I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> and so he starts talking about how, well, if you set your country as a different country, it's available on Netflix in different countries and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you just have to turn off the location or some some nonsense or oh, a VPN. Do you have a VPN? I'm like, no, I don't have a VPN to watch TV. <laughs> like, I know exactly where this conversation's going. <laughs> and so... I'm sure many people have already seen (laughs) Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, But, you know, it's interesting to me what what we have to pay for here in the United States versus what's included in other streaming services overseas or just not even in a streaming service. It's just, you know, standard television. Um, But I do think that, you know, I think we'll see eventually some of these streaming services. We will reach that boiling point where we'll see kind of this um, consolidation. You know, one will buy out the other kind of thing. Yeah. So anyway, I I thought that was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you should have I think you should have challenged him on ethical grounds. I mean, how can you be a fan of Star Trek and steal television? That's not your television to watch. You're stealing. I mean, doesn't he watch those little blurbs of before and after, uh, you know, movies on Blu-ray that talks about all the jobs that were created by that film? 
Well, I don't think so because he doesn't watch the Blu-rays. He watches it. Yeah, that's true. true. He's like, yeah, sometimes the quality – he even said something like, yeah, sometimes the movie quality is not great. I'm like, those are pirated movies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's got that VPN. It's his virtual uh, pirate network. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sigh. Sigh. Anyway, you know, right before we podcasted, I reached out to Jen – and I'm like, hey, you know, you, you, I'm sorry, hey, Jim. You reached out to Jim or Jim? Not Jim. No, sorry. Let me different. So we're we're done with Jim. Okay. We're back. To, we're we're, on, we're we're with Jen. Now. Okay. And um, we like we like Jen a lot better than we than we like Jim. Yeah, the Jen doesn't pirate stuff. When I do it, I make sure she doesn't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, we we were talking. Oh, I, I reached out to her right before this podcast. So we're recording this at six o'clock on a Thursday night. And I was like, "Hey, what do you what, what are you thinking for dinner?" And you've probably had this conversation because the correct answer is, "What do you want?" or pizza, <laughs> right? And she and she responded with, "Well, we have those sausages in the fridge." And now I'm like, Ugh. like I came into this podcast with no energy because I don't want those sausages. <laughs> I want a pizza. If I wanted those sausages, I'd have already eaten those sausages. <laughs> exactly. There's a reason they're still in the shrink wrap, <laughs> and they're they're hot sausages. Don't get me wrong; they sounded good when I bought them. Uh-huh. But Paul on Paul on Sunday grocery shopping is not the same Paul Thursday after four days of of work. And can I just say that Sunday Paul is the worst Paul. <laughs> He's the worst. He makes decisions for the rest of the week, Paul. That the rest of the week, Paul, you know, can't cash. I mean. Fuck that guy. Yeah, I mean, Sunday Paul fucks all the other Pauls. The only Paul he doesn't fuck is Saturday Paul. No, Saturday Paul's a good time. Yeah, Saturday Paul Saturday Paul is like King Paul, right? Saturday Paul needs to go grocery shopping. That's right. That's right. Not but he Sunday. can't be bothered with grocery shopping. Saturday no. Paul's got beer to drink. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sunday Paul. Sunday Paul. I mean, we really should just stuff Sunday Paul in a sack and beat it with hammers. You know? <laughs> beat it, first of all. <laughs> Sunday Paul's not a human being. This is true. I, I can't really argue that. Yeah. Well, maybe Sunday Paul should be, you know, sent to, you know, Osiris' little prison planet where all of her other slaves are. Maybe that would teach Sunday Paul some manners. Perhaps it would. Yeah, he could get Perhaps one of those little he, spikes in the back of his neck, you know? He can scavenge for himself. Oh, look at that transition. That's right. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, the, the, these three episodes, you know, we're going to talk about these three episodes, but, you know, uh, out of the three, we, we've got, what do we say, Scavengers, Unification 3, and the, uh, sanctuary. The, the Sanctuary. Very book, two of these are very book-centric episodes. So if you were missing book... For those few episodes where he wasn't in the show and now he's back and wondering what his place is on Discovery, it very much becomes um, key to the three episodes we're going to talk about and the two episodes that we're not going to talk about. Can I can I say that I, I feel bad because I really didn't like book in the first episode and I was really clear on how much I didn't like book and I even thought he had a stupid name. <laughs> he still has a stupid name, though. Well, you know, now that we know that his name is like Cleveland Booker, right? Yeah, and the book is a nickname, not not an actual name. I, I I feel a lot better about this, you know. But I do, and I do wish his mom would show up and call him by Cle- by the name Cleveland. Or just know? Booker. Like I'm good with Buck Booker, but yeah. like Book. Yeah. Like that's like naming the cat Grudge. That's just a stupid name. Yeah. Too. That 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 remains stupid. That <laughs> remains stupid. 
But you know, uh, I, I, uh, I, I, he's growing on me. But he does remind me of that character that always that you always see on some of the really low end uh, Star Trek Star Trek fan films. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's the guy who doesn't want to be. I want to be in your Star Trek fan film, but I don't want to be a Star Trek officer. I want to wear this leather outfit that I've already got that I wear to the Ren Fair. <laughs> you know, that's the guy. I, I want to be the. I want to be the not Star Trek guy. I want to be the guy who's different. I want to be like more like I'm on Babylon Five. <laughs> yeah, he's your uh, he's your Han Solo on the Star Trek on, well, on the Discovery. But I mean, seriously, he does feel a little bit more Babylon Fivey because of his you know talk. He's Doctor Doolittle speaking to the animals. You know, he's yeah. you know, he's got those empathic powers true, even more so true, than Deanna true. Troy. He does. He feels a lot more like a Babylon Five character. And I don't and we, mean to besmirch him because you know I kind of like me some Babylon Five. It's terrible, but I do kind of like me some Babylon Five. What? Yeah, Babylon is. Five isn't terrible. Oh my God, that last season is terrible. Oh, the last season was good. Mm. No, second the of first? the last season was good. Oh, that's true. The, the first and last seasons were, were not great. That is correct. <laughs> but this isn't the Babylon Five with Aaron and Polly. This or is, is Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> so, or could it be? So Burnham, you know, gets this message. You know, this uh, this little you know secret message from books, and hey, you know, I'm doing a thing. You know, I'm, I'm going deep, deep, deep undercover, and you know, bad things might happen, and and if they do, if if you don't hear from me, I programmed the ship to bring my cat back to you. Don't come looking for me. So what does Michael Burnham do? She goes looking for Book, and of course, you know, she she seeks uh, Saru's approval to go do this, and Saru says, "Uh, uh-uh, no, we can't do it. We've got we got to we got to hang loose for uh, for some shit that's going to go down in one of these other systems. So no." So, you know, she takes uh, 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 Book's ship and leaves the cat uh, in Tilly's uh, quarters and heads off to go rescue Book with uh, Empress Georgiou. So, you know, know, hijinks ensue. We learn, you know, a lot about Osira. Osira, who is the head of the, you know, the the Orion Syndicate or Orion Chain, whatever they're calling it in, in the show. Um, you know, she's got this whole slave planet and these people are slaves for life. This is an indentured servitude. This isn't where you're working off a debt. This is you wound up on the wrong side of the Orions and their, and their, and their allies. And now you're working for them for the rest of your life. And they literally work people to death in this place. Um, and so, you know, we meet Osira's nephew. I think I've got that right. Nephew. And, you know, he, uh, he, you know, he's a bad guy, tortures people, uh, you know, uh, lets people, you know, uh, essentially work themselves to death and runs them to death. Like there's, you know, one guy we see, oh, why don't you just go, you disappointed me in the way you handled that. Why don't you go see if the new, uh, you know, uh, uh, force fields work? Yep, they work. They vaporized him, you know. Uh, so he, he's a bad guy. Osiris a bad guy. Everybody's a bad guy here. Well, except for Rin. So Rin is a fellow scavenger who's been imprisoned, but he is, you know, he he um, he's kind of a friend of books, but he has been he's kind of been broken, uh, you know. He's been made an example of. He is the one who has to put the explosive neck collars, yeah, onto all the fellow scavengers. And the, there's a reason I bring that up. It's because it plays very heavily into Sanctuary. Really, scavengers and Sanctuary are kind of two parts of the same story with 
something in the middle. Yeah, I uh, would agree. So like an Oreo cookie. That is exactly right. Just like an Oreo cookie. Now, if this was four episodes, we'd call it a double stuffed Oreo cookie, but it's just your regular Oreo cookie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, of course, Michael Burnham and uh, Giorgio, you know, are able to save the day. You know, get get uh, book out and get Ren out. You know, Ren, whose uh, antennae have been cut off by Osira, uh, because and we find out why later on, but uh, in, in another episode. But you know, he has been humiliated by the Orions uh, uh, because of he, he is he is uh, you know has has been on the wrong side of them. But they get back to uh, back to Starfleet. And the Federation, where they're where they're hiding out in their special invisible bubble, which I, which seems very unFederation to me that they would be in their secret invisible bubble that people can't come and find them. You got to know. Years they're, in the future, there's no rules. I, there are rules, Paul. There are rules. No rules. Yeah, there are rules. Lawless. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, Burnham jumping, uh, you know, out on her own and you know, really against orders, put. Saru in a really bad place, and so you know the admiral. They brought back some some uh, some some great data, and were able to punch the Orion chain or the Emerald chain. I think they're they're called. They get, were able to punch them in the nose. These are things that the admiral was happy about, and they didn't wind up having to go save that other star system. So no harm, no foul. But of course, Burnham broke the chain of command. And he, the admiral, has directed Saru to, you know, do with her as you will. And so uh, Saru fires her as his first officer. Yeah, so, I mean that lasted how many episodes? Two. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not long, right? I mean, she didn't even get to, uh, you know, uh, decorate her office. I guess. I mean, it just. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they literally because he. It was at the end of episode three, I believe. Um, or sometime within the episode three that he, he, you know, he made her his number one. So it was two episodes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> two whole episodes um, with her as number one, which I, I you know, kind of funny. Really. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, you know, this it, it, for me, while I found it for what it's worth, I feel like making when, when some when you have a change like that, you know, it's this big emotional moment and I'm like, well, one, I don't really have a lot of emotion to it because I haven't really had a moment to live with it. Right. Um, but two, like, why did this happen in the first place then? Like, her, you know, it, yeah. her being number one really didn't make any difference over the prior episodes. So I thought that was just kind of like, a, oh, like the well, illusion of change. Right. And she didn't she didn't burn a whole lot of time weighing it right i gotta go get book i mean that was her thing she it never occurred to her hey i'm really screwing up i'm screwing tilly over because you know tilly knows what's happened because i put the cat in her quarters um i'm screwing saru over because he directly told me i can't go do this but that didn't enter into the equation right i mean she really just kind of okay i'm gonna go get book you told me no i'm gonna go anyway which you know we have seen Starfleet officers do this in the past, right? Um, yeah. So it makes sense that they didn't throw the book at her, but you know there are consequences to violating the chain of command, and you know she gets to enjoy that here. But it does, you know, the the, the firing her from that role um, really 
helps underline her sense of alienation in the show. Right. Her, you know, I've lived a year without my 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 co-crew members had started to believe that I'd never see them again. And I'm really having a hard time finding my place back amongst this crew. And we find that that is uh, explored a lot more in Unification 3. But before we do that, two things I want to bring up. Uh, First off is I'm having a problem with the personal transporters. Yeah. And the reason why I'm having trouble with that is that I need them to clarify what the rules are around the personal transporters. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of assume that they function like com badges from the next generation where you're still you're essentially still going through the transporter on the ship, right? You know, it's just functioning as a site to site, but without the the uh, transporter operator there, without having a transporter chief running running the show, you're essentially still going through the ship's buffers, but you've got like preset coordinates. What bothers me is that it seems to be represented that the transporter lives inside the badge that's transporting you. That's what what my concern is about this, and I need them to clarify that because that's really bugging me. It's a little too. Science fantasy, yes, um, and not nearly science. Just, yeah, not nearly science yeah. fiction. Yeah, because I agree. it's like, how are you, like, how did you program where you're going? Well, and, <laughs> All and they you really said it was tap on it yourself twice. Like maybe, like you said, it's predefined coordinates or something. Well, they said in one episode that you've got like your predefined home setting. You know that you're always yeah. going to go back there. But yeah, you know, like we see Linus, and I can't remember which episode we saw that in. If it was Scavengers or another episode, but we see Linus trying to get to various different places, and he's like, you know, he beams into the. Uh, Oh, that's right, yeah. The turbo lift, and he's like, this isn't the mess hall. This isn't my science lab, you know. So, I mean, I I just need them to define that a little bit more for me because, you know, that's that's really my my Star Trek knowledge part of my brain just needs to understand it. I need to understand what the rules are around that. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up, we see Stamets bond in this episode with Adira, right? in a way that surprises Adira and surprises Stamets and eventually Culver, Culber, Culver, Culber, never can get that right. Culver. Uh, you know, and, and winds up, you know, uh, surprising them because Stamets is no warm and fuzzy guy, but he, he sensed a vulnerability in Adira and winds up bonding with her uh, in this episode. And I, I thought that was nicely done. I, I, I really appreciated the uh, storyline there. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, the friendship that those two are developing um, over the next few episodes, um, I, I, I'm enjoying seeing that relationship grow. Uh, you know, it, it adds a little bit more depth to the character. Now, unfortunately, what it does do, which you know, I won't spoil, but there's a character that the the, the um, and I, unfortunately, I forget her name. Uh, the the um the other person who works Gray? in engineering. Oh, the other person who works in engineering. Uh, Jet. Jet, Jet. Reno. It kind of sits Jet like off to the side. It does. I, she we doesn't get to appear see... at all in the next few episodes. Well, and 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 I, that's frustrating to me because I think she, I think uh, Jet and Stamets have such great chemistry, and mm. I, it, it is sad not to see them. I mean, I think that the relationship between Adira and Stamets is sweet. 
you know, and you, you kind of get a, a warm fuzzy about about them, uh, the connection that, you know, he's it, it feels like he's mentoring her. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the peer relationship that Jet and Stamets have. And I really I, I, <laughs> I want to see that a lot. Because uh, she gives him so much hell, I I really enjoy that. Because he's the kind of character you want to see given a lot of hell by somebody who is his peer. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, I think uh, you know I, I, we had a couple of very strong Culver centric episodes, mm-hmm. and now you know we've got a couple of book centric episodes. And Unification Three um, is is a Burnham episode all the way. Right. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a couple of moments between other characters, but this is 100% a Burnham episode. And, you know, the, the name Unification 3 obviously calling back to the two-part episode featuring Spock from Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, I want to say right off the bat, I had major problems with this episode. How so? The, I, the fact that Burnham's mother... Oh, yeah. Winds up being one of the co- uh, co- incidentally uh-huh. <laughs> ends up being um, uh, her her co-op Malat. Uh huh. Like what? Yeah, on <laughs> the one hand, nine hundred years in the future, you randomly came across your mother on on the planet Vulcan. On the and one she hand, happens to be in a, co- a co-op Malat. On the one hand, I really appreciated bringing the co-op Malat forward from Picard. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, because that was so cool. In, yeah, in Star Trek Picard. And what I saw the Ready Room episode uh, for Unification 3, and you know, they were ta- the creators were talking about, you know, Star- Picard hadn't, uh, they, they had only just started shooting Picard when they were writing these scripts for Discovery. And so they were kind of coordinating, going, yeah, we're going to do some uh, Romulan Vulcan stuff. What, you know, are you guys doing any Romulan Vulcan stuff over there? And the, the people at Picard were like, oh, yeah. We got this whole thing about, you know, uh, you know, Romulan Vulcan stuff. And so those guys had to coordinate, you know, what all of that meant before any of it was finalized, which I find really interesting on how that worked. And so, you know, because they're they're bringing stuff forward and carrying it through, I would expect that we're going to get the trifecta in uh, this year's Star Trek shows that we will see. Uh, you know, Captain Piker, uh, Captain Riker, and uh, Deanna Troy in the final episode of uh, of Discovery this season. Oh, yeah, because you know, I mean, he he. So far, so far, we're two for three. I think we're going to go for the trifecta. Well, to be fair, there's no saying. I know they're 900 years in the future, and I understand that they can't necessarily contradict anything that's already happened. Mm-hmm. You know, up through Nemesis, Nemesis. Yeah. but technically. They could come back to, to the to the present time post nemesis and not have to live nine hundred years in the future. I doubt that'll happen. Um, but it's you know they could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Unification Three. This is obviously um, you know what what has happened is they, they have a, there's a unified Vulcan and Romulan and and the black box. And me. Vulcan's changed its name, right? It's no longer yeah, Vulcan, it's Navarre. Navarre. Yeah. Um, you know, so the the black box that book was, you know, found in the prior episode comes into play and, you know, it, it leads the discovery to the planet Navarre. And, you know, what what has happened is the Vulcan and Romulan people have become unified, but there's still very much tensions and they've left Starfleet because at this point they've determined that SB nineteen which is, um, you know, a, a space travel alternative that was developed uh, by the people of Navarre would probably cause the burn. 
and they don't want to give the data to the Federation because they've basically said, we caused it, we were fooled into causing it by Picard and the Federation, um, you know, so because of the what happened, obviously, to the planet Romulus that led into the Kelvinverse and all that stuff. Like, it all kind of plays into, you know, I appreciate the callbacks to everything that happened that led to what Navarre is now. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, they're, they're very secretive about the data, but there are still tensions. 900 years in the future, there are still tensions between the Romulans and the Vulcans on Navarre. And so um, Burnham has called a Takal Inket. Look at you with the Vulcan words. Right? Oh. Uh, you know, which is a, you know, the Vulcan trial to, to lay claim, to verify the scientific claim to that SB-19 data. So, yeah, and, you know, it requires... The Takal in Ket requires Burnham to rigorously defend uh, her theory, right? You know, the, the, these are the 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 here are my ideas. Now she's got to uh, you know practice the art of extreme candor, uh, as is the the practice of the Kuat Malat. Um, and she had that's what the the role that her mother features in as a a, a sister of that uh, of that uh, organization. Uh, she is there to make sure that her daughter is completely candid uh, in this hearing. And as one might expect, I mean, the whole time I'm like, don't you understand that she's going to call you on all your bullshit? I mean, this would be the worst thing ever, Paul. That your that your attorney. <laughs> in court is your mother yeah is your mother and is is incentivized to call you out on all your bullshit yeah i mean this is this is the worst thing ever you know i excuse me i mean you're allergic to the thoughts i'm i'm allergic to candor yeah Yeah, i absolutely (laughs) this this is allergic to honesty if i uh you know i'm obviously i am i am full of crap all the time yeah, he's lying oh, right now. Yeah, Look, I, I, you I, notice I, he stopped sneezing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and of course, you know, there is a big relevatory moment where, as I was saying, you know, uh, Burnham has been, has felt alienated from her friends and crew on the Discovery, and her mom calls her on that and makes her own up to that and, of course, have this breakthrough moment in front of a great big room full of strangers and Vulcans. Strangers and Vulcans and Romulans, oh my. Uh, and, of course, you know, that wins over the uh, the uh, chief executive of Navarre, who, even though the council says, no, you're not getting any of our data, you know, feel free to continue working on this and arguing your case, but you're not getting our shit. The uh, president, via executive order, uh, has... Uh, re- provided the secret fob to uh, Michael Burnham at the end of it. And I got to say, I think that what caused the burn, Paul, is actually Michael Burnham. Just saying. Oh, snap. Just saying. I, I, I think that when she rocketed through time, somehow her her little messed up wormhole caused this stuff. Just saying. I think maybe they, we'll they find call that out. The burn because she's Michael Burnham. Oh, just snap. Saying. I don't just think saying. that's the case, but... Prediction. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, we will find out in a few weeks. So, you know, so this episode ends with Saru naming Tilly as his acting first officer, which is a rather interesting choice because there are probably 300 people on that ship that have a higher rank than her. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> in terms of story, I'm like, well, who else is he going to appoint? You know, because it's Tilly is is the is the character that yeah. you're going to appoint. But I'm like, is it Detmer? Is it Owo? Is it you know who who are these char- who are Over, the characters? Stamets is it, yeah. is it anyone anyone yeah. with a higher rank? Because yeah. literally Tilly is an ensign. Yeah, I don't get it. But no, he named her because you know I guess it. Now don't get me wrong. The moments uh, of Tilly as acting first officer uh-huh. have been fun. You know, yeah. I know we're not going to talk about Terra Firma, but you know there there have been some good moments. Um, you know, with, with uh, between Tilly and Saru with her in that new role. Well, but, and we see it I'm in. The in but we see it in Sanctuary, right, where she calls Ren on his bullshit. Yeah. Because he comes, you know, running into Saru's ready room. And just, I mean, starts, you know, really yelling at Saru. And she's like, hey, back up now with respect that his office deserves, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, which is exactly what an EXO is supposed to do. An EXO is supposed to make sure everyone uh, provides the appropriate amount of deference to the commanding officer, that they are you know, they are in line and that they understand he's the guy. Um, so I really did appreciate that. And I thought she I thought she fell into that role well. So before we get into the the depth or the the, the nuggets, the nugs, the, the nuggies, the nuggies yeah. of the sanctuary. I do want to touch on something in relation to scavengers. Yeah. In relation to unification three, yeah. and in relation to sa- that that didn't really hit me until sanctuary. Um, it seems. No, don't get me wrong. I'm aware that Starfleet is not what it used to be, but it seems that anyone can get an audience. With the Admiral of Starfleet. Uh-huh. Like, Book, who isn't even a Starfleet member, gets an audience in the Sanctuary. Burnham, even though she's not even number one at the time, gets an audience with the Admiral of uh, Starfleet. I can't get an audience with the CEO <laughs> of my company, and I work there. <laughs> well, that's because, uh, you know, your company is a much more top-down organization than Starfleet. Apparently. I'm just saying. I was like, huh. Like, any random person could just be like, hey. Admiral, can I can I can I have five minutes? I will say, I I really like Admiral Vance. I like that actor Oded a lot. Fair, yeah, uh, Oded Fair is just a really good actor, and I I like when I saw Oded Fair in that role. I'm like, oh, he's gonna be a bad guy because Oded Fair almost always plays a bad guy. Well, there's still time. And there is a moment where he coaches Saru, and I want to say it was in Scavengers. Uh, yeah. Or no, I, no unification. It's unification three. Yeah. Because he says to he says to you know Saru's like, well, we can't go do this because of X, Y, and Z. And Vance overrules him, and he tells him afterwards, he's like, hey, I understand, you know, you're trying to you know be a, be a good captain, yada yada. But if you don't support, and, and you're right, it was sanctuary, wasn't it? There is no sanctuary. Where uh, she wants to go to Book's homeworld to help out, and uh, uh, you know he's like, if you don't support your crew, if you if you send her off on her own and something bad happens to her, your crew's never going to trust you. This can't be the first thing you do as a new captain. And I was like, you know, that is really good advice. This guy is, I like this guy. He's 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 coach as much as Saru is trying to coach Tilly, Vance is coaching. Uh, uh, Saru, and yeah. I, I just I think that is a really nice dynamic to see that that people don't just automatically become leaders that they've got to be sculpted into that role, and I think that's something nice to see on television because I can't tell you I don't think we see that very often. No, 
So I, I, I thought it was nice to see. You know, and we know that Saru is a good guy. We know Saru's, you know, got 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 a a good moral center, but he's not yet a, a fully functional leader like we saw in Captain Pike. Uh, I, I think I, I think it's going to be nice to see him ca- kind of be shaped by these circumstances and shaped by Admiral Vance. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm very curious. You know, there, there's definitely a lot of coaching going on there over the next few episodes, and so I'm curious to see how that plays out, especially if he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's not a bad guy. Yeah, Admiral Vance, he's a good guy. You can tell. He's only been a good guy in like one thing. He, <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> so in the sanctuary. Uh, Discovery travels back travels back to Book's homeworld because Osira is pissed off. She is not happy about what happened in Scavengers, and she knows that Book was involved, and mm-hmm. so she has gone to turn the screws to Book's homeworld. And you know, it just seems to me like like even though Dilithium isn't around anymore, those folks without spore drives tend to get around. I'm just saying. Yeah, they, they certainly do. It's they, without really acknowledgement of how, but yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah, because I mean, you assume that she is in. Well, she is in range of uh, of uh, the the scavenger planet because yeah. she disciplines her nephew and, and has him killed. Right, he gets eaten by one of those trance worms yeah. that uh, that book likes to save. I don't know that book would want to save that trance worm. He seems like a bad worm, <laughs> but. Yeah. Uh, Bad, bad worm. But uh, you know, Book's homeworld uh, is 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 a weird little place. You know, it's it's got these uh, fall looking forests on it. It's supposed to be, you know, some lush uh, lush planet. But the sea locusts uh, migrate up onto land and devour all the edibles. And so you know, it it the, the the people of Book's homeworld have had to negotiate with the Emerald Chain to get the the uh, uh, animal-friendly pesticides that you know sort of push them back out to sea. Doesn't kill them, but pushes them out to sea because these locusts are really pretty glowy locusts. I mean, if you're going to have a locust, it's nice to have one that lights up like a blue nightlight, right? But uh, you know, they're eating all they're eating all the stuff. You know, and it's it's going to lead to starvation and economic collapse on Book's homeworld. And Book, you know, he's got a brother, but he's not a blood brother. He's, you know, we were, we were close enough. We were, we were together since we were young. I regard him as a brother, so I call him brother and requires all of this uh, exposition. I don't know why we couldn't just say I've got a really good friend. You because know, that wouldn't have required yeah, we're so like much brothers. exposition. That's it. Yeah. yeah, we're like brothers. <laughs> yeah, but there was a ton of exposition about, yeah, I know we don't look anything alike because we're not actually brothers, brothers, even though I call him brother, you know. Yeah, no. <laughs> we're, 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 we grew up together. Duh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just easy. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, you know. We've got to, you know, deal with the emerald chain here, and and it, and you know they do, you know, Discovery uh, deals with it. You know, they're not supposed to really engage, but we get to see Detmer have a breakthrough, piloting uh, Book's ship and uh, you know attacking the emerald chain ship because you know Discovery can't fire on them because they would they would be in violation of their orders from Admiral Vance. And that would point the Emerald Chain directly at Starfleet. Now, Emerald Chain doesn't strike me. Osira doesn't strike me as a rules girl. Um, I, yeah. I, th- I think that she's going to recognize that, oh, okay, so Discovery launched this ship and then they blew up all my stuff. I think they're going to come after Starfleet anyway. 
I don't yeah. understand. Well, she kind of says that at the end. She's like, Starfleet will rue the day. Rue the day! Yeah. You will... I don't even know how to rue. But you'll <laughs> do it. You'll rue. You'll rue. So, yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't... It, it, the the plot to uh, to make it not seem like Starfleet's firing on them basically goes nowhere, except yeah, that I, it allows Detmer to have the breakthrough she needs to get over her PTSD. Yeah, and connect with Rin. Rin Rin connects with Grudge. Detmer connects with Rin. It's a it's a big happy family. Uh huh. Yeah, maybe we'll see some love sparks between Detmer and Rin. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Hopefully yeah, not. Maybe not. Maybe I don't not. want to see that. Also in the show. Uh, Stamets and Adira continue, you know, looking for information on the burn and <coughs> Adira is has got this program up and you know trying trying to do all that stuff. And what we find is that Gray, you know, the uh the host prior to Adira, um, has shut down. You know, we had gotten to see Gray really hanging out, you know, listening to Adira play her cello. Um, but you know, he's gone missing. He's not, he's not hanging out and chatting with her anymore. And this is really bumming the fuck out of Adira. But Stamets has acknowledged that maybe this is his way of forcing you to connect with other people instead of just relying on him. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I just, I find it interesting that we're treating gray as a person (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) when gray is dead. Um, and I know that he's got some kind of force ghost thing going on, um, but I just like, why are we talking about this guy like he's a person? Like he, like you know, why, why is why, why is why does Gray uh, get consideration of his feelings? I don't understand that. Fair. And he's I imagine they're they're going to further explain the difference that he's not just a memory inhabiting her, but you know that he is a, an actual individual being. I just I find it amusing that. Uh, that we're providing a dead person that level of consideration. (laughs) Well, you know, so as we get to the conclusion of this episode, um, Giorgio has, uh, you know, he's under, um, you know, Culver, Culber, it is C U L B E R. Sorry. Culber, um, you know, is kind of, uh, examining Giorgio who has kind of this, you know, they're, they're, and we're going to talk more about this in, in next week's discussion. Yeah, she's so I don't not been to... well. She's not been well. Um, but, you know, she she's experiencing blackouts and flashbacks. And that leads directly into the two-part terra firma that we'll talk about next time we're on the mics. Very exciting. Well, Paul, did you like these three episodes? Yeah, you know, I would say... Um, I, I, I would say for the three, the sanctuary was probably the weakest one for me, which is crazy because it's the one directed by Jonathan Frakes. I just did, you know, I think that that whole, I think we've talked a little bit about this, about like these like forest planets with like these normal looking people on them in Star Trek are just not my favorite storylines. And the sanctuary was basically that. Like, oh, this kind of looks like the park down the street, um, just with some correction on it. Uh, you know, Scavengers was a bit um, derivative of other things. You know, you had exploding neck collars uh, and stuff like that. <laughs> but but I didn't – but uh, like, oh, I've never seen that before. But I enjoyed the, you know, the interactions. Um, I enjoyed a little bit more fleshing out of Book's character, uh, you know, the introduction of Rin. And, you know, in Unification, there, despite my – my concerns about the um, coincidental uh, appearance of Burnham's mother. There were, there were some good parts to it. I wish they hadn't called it unification three. 
I wish they had just called back to Unification because naming it Unification 3 kind of presents a an importance upon the episode that it really doesn't have. I would agree. I, I think that it's confusing, uh, particularly since, you know, Unifications Part 1 and 2 don't really unify the, the, the Romulans and, and uh, Vulcans. It puts mm-hmm. them on a path to it that apparently wasn't realized for a very long time after. Um, and I think that it's a, it's amusing to say that those two, those three episodes are tied in any way, shape or form, other than the fact that they involve Romulans and Vulcans. Yeah, exactly. But you know, exactly. You could, but you can call back to it without necessarily titling it. And I did love, I mean, I got to tell you, I loved when, uh, Leonard Nimoy as Spock appears in a hollow Mm -hmm. on the show. I mean, I that was I was like ah, brilliant use of file footage, yeah. <laughs> you know, brilliant use. You guys are awesome. You know, and like I said, we've seen a number of references to uh, past Star Trek over these next few episodes. We'll see more in in our next discussion. But you know, the reference to um, the the Romulan, you know, the time travel that caused the you know around Romulus, you know, that's basically the creation of the Kelvin verse. Yeah. Um, you know, the the references to unification, we're seeing a lot more of that stuff kind of poke in. Um, so yeah, you know, I I do appreciate those callbacks. I think if you are not versed in Star Trek lore, you might it might just breeze by you as just techno babble. But I I I'm appreciative of them. Well, I do appreciate their efforts to make all of this stuff tie in versus just throwing their arms up in the air going, Dah, what do we care? I like that they're like they did with the like they do with the personal transporters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what did you think before we wrap up this conversation? What did you think of these episodes? You know, there are there are parts I like of all of them. I was not dazzled by the sanctuary, the the brothers using their special you know in the brothers in air quotes by the way because uh, they grew up together and blah 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 and now they both have empathic powers yes you know okay. that they can use to talk to the bugs I, I that just seemed ridiculous to me yeah um and what i found ridiculous about it is that you know it, it's like the moral of the stories they had the solution all along yeah, uh, <laughs> that just <laughs> yeah. really annoyed the hell out of me. Um, and the way they did it, I mean, you know, they, they, they had if it's empathic abilities, why does it sound like they're praying? And I get that it's some kind of mantra to help them focus. I think I just would. It, it, it seems so reverential. Uh, for them to do that, that there's a spiritual element to it. And if they're going to do that, I'd like them to just lean into that. You know, not just say, well, you know, I've got these empathic abilities, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, 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 there are parts of the sanctuary that I really didn't like. Parts I liked. I like seeing Detmer do her thing. Detmer's a lot of fun. I like Detmer. Uh, but I also would like to see more Owo, and we have seen precious little Owo. But wait, maybe we see more of her in Terra Pharma. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> But I, I think of these three, Unification Three was my favorite, um, I agree. because I, I it, it, it spent a lot of time in Burnham's head, and I think we got to unpack some stuff that's really been brewing since the first of the season. It was nice to get some of that out in the open. Yeah. Um, I, I think what we're doing, what we're seeing over these few episodes um, between the the three we've talked about and uh, the two that we're going to talk about next week, is kind of a, a 
setting the table, you know, resolving some of these outstanding things, whether it's um, Detmer's PTSD, Burnham's alienation, um, Giorgio's Section 31 spinoff. Um, you know, there's still a couple of things, right, to, to set up. There's still, you know, Saru really stepping into that captain role. Who's going to be the first officer? Is it going to be Burnham back? Is Tilly going to stay in the role? You know, I think there's a couple of still outstanding things. Um, but I, I do think we're seeing kind of, you know, some of these things just kind of like settle in to build up for the final three episodes that have not aired yet as of the time of this recording, um, you know, leading up to the season finale. Agreed. So, you know, set up that burn. <laughs> the burn ham um, resolution. Burn, burn ham. Oh, there's probably pigs involved. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Some pork. Some pork. All right. Well, we want to know what you think. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the air, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right, well, we will do it all over again. And hey, if we don't talk to you before between now and then, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you next time. Bye. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 972-763-5903. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade. 